at the end of the day, all the stuff that we have on our list, it needs to get done, but not by us. Mm. And, and my mistake has probably been over the years, not delegating faster, not outsourcing faster, not getting stuff off my plate to be done by people who make far less money than I make. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Well, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm excited today to have Cameron Harold. Cameron, how are you doing today? Good, Todd. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you joining us. I'm excited to have you. Uh, a little bit about Cameron. He's a CEO whisperer. Uh, he's the founder of the CEO Alliance. And uh, he's the mastermind behind hundreds of companies' exponential growth. Uh, Cameron's built a dynamic consultancy. His current clients include a big four wireless carrier and a monarchy. Uh, he's earned his reputation as the business growth guru by guiding his clients to double their profit and double the revenue in just three years or less. And uh, this is some pretty cool stuff. At age 21, you had 14 employees. By age 35, uh, you helped uh, build $200 million companies. And then by the age of 42, you engineered 1-800-GOT-JUNKS uh, growth from $2 million to $106 million in revenue, which is, holy cow, that's amazing. 3,100 employees, and that was just in six years. So uh, tons of, of amazing stuff. And, and also been a speaker. Um, uh, I've heard you on TED, uh, the TEDx, and you've got quite a few books, double-double, uh, uh, meeting suck, vivid vision, miracle morning for entrepreneurs and uh, free PR. And I've actually got uh, a couple of those books. So uh, lots of good stuff and so much more to, to you, but I'll let you kind of um, let us in on a little bit more of who you are, uh, what you've done and kind of what your mission is right now. Sure. Yeah. So, well, no, you covered it pretty well. I mean, I was groomed as an entrepreneur. Um, have built a number of different entrepreneurial companies. I've been coaching real companies globally now for about 13 years. When I say real companies, I typically coach companies that have 50 to 500 employees. Um, and I've done, as you mentioned, I've done paid speaking events on 26 countries and six continents, uh, written five books. And my whole focus is helping entrepreneurs make their dreams happen. So I typically work with the entrepreneurs that understand what their core business and product is and are really looking to scale and grow that. Um, and I just help, you know, execute that growth and help give them the shortcuts to grow. I've always felt like um, entrepreneurs are trying to bang their head against the window. And if they work harder, they'll get out the door. But the reality is, you know, they don't even notice the doors there. They, they keep banging their head on the window. And I like to give them the shortcuts to make it easier. So I've, I've helped kind of systemize a number of different companies and create the, the tools to help any company grow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really awesome. And so true. I mean, I find myself doing the same thing I and mean, banging my head against the window and the door's right there. And, and sometimes you have to take a step back and helpful to have somebody like you that can actually look from the outside in. Um, what are some of the things that you see these companies do that are, that are, that are banging their heads on the window and uh, you know, how are you helping them get out the door? What do you see in the most? Well, 
Yeah, I guess the, the one of the big ones that I've noticed with, with companies is that often the entrepreneur has an idea of what they want to build and what their company might look like, but they're not sharing it with anyone. Mm. And there's been a, a gap in the business world of a way to share the vision of what our company looks like. So I codified this idea called the vivid vision. And a vivid vision is a four or five page written description of what your company looks like, acts like, and feels like three years in the future. And it's a way to describe every aspect of your company as if it's already come true. Almost as if you're walking around your company in the future and you describe what you see. You describe operations, you describe IT, you describe marketing and sales. You describe how the people are interacting with each other and what their customers are saying, what the market is, is responding to, what the media is writing about you. Um, and I've, I've kind of written it in a way and described it in a way that allows any entrepreneur to lean out three years in the future and describe their company in a finished state so the team can figure out how to make that come true. That tends to be the one, one of the big missing points that people you know, um, can actually leverage to grow their companies. I think a second one is that there's an inability for most entrepreneurs to focus. You know, they're yeah. busy being busy. Um, they're distracted. You know, by nature, most entrepreneurs are on the spectrum for attention deficit disorder and bipolar disorder. So we're already a distracted group of people, which is one of our superpowers, but it's also one of our weaknesses. Right. Where when entrepreneurs can stay focused, when they can focus on their goals, when they can focus on a vision, when they can focus on a plan, when they can focus on the critical few things versus the important many, they tend to be able to grow their company. So that's, that would be another core area that I tend to work with companies on. I think you answered my question or maybe, maybe partially did. I was going to ask you like, how, how, how do you get these people to focus? But you just said something uh, that I think was really important. You said focusing on the few critical areas versus the many important areas. And I think that's really hard for us as entrepreneurs to, to push away some of the busy work, maybe the, the important work, but not the critical work. Yeah, it's like the Cheshire Cat and Alice in Wonderland said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So <laughs> when an entrepreneur is not clear on what they're building, they get distracted. Right. Yeah. So I'm, as an example, I'm very, very clear on my vivid vision of what my company looks like in, in three years. I'm very clear on my core purpose, which is helping entrepreneurs make their dreams happen. So one of the reasons I agree to even be on your podcast is you work with this entrepreneurial audience of people that are starting to build real businesses. That's consistent with my, my core purpose, right? How I help entrepreneurs make their dreams happen is by writing books, growing their COO and the CO Alliance, by coaching entrepreneurial organizations, by speaking to groups of entrepreneurial organizations, very consistent with my core purpose. But if I got approached, let's say by government, you know, I had two groups email me this morning asking me to speak at their events this year. Both of them are entrepreneurial organizations. So I'll say yes to those events. I'll give them my fee, I'll give them my marketing. It'll be good for their audience and it'll, it'll replicate. But if, let's say it was a government organization that wanted me to come and speak, I'd say no. If it was a huge corporate audience, unless it was about the book meeting sock, I would say no to the corporate world. Because it just isn't, it doesn't fit with my core purpose. and It doesn't fit with my content. So focus allows you to, um, to, to kind of focus on that flywheel and to gain momentum. Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. So important. So, and, and really just easy. Like you said, uh, most of us have ADHD. I've never truly been diagnosed, but 
a lot of people that know me would say I probably have some sort of form of, of that. And well, and there's nothing wrong with ADD. I mean, the reality is attention deficit disorder when you're an entrepreneur means that you see everything. Yeah. It means you notice what's happening with the market, the economy, your suppliers, your customers, the website, your branding, your financials. You see everything, which you need to as an entrepreneur. If you were so myopic, like an engineer or an accountant or a lawyer, you could only see these tiny slices of the business, you'd miss everything else, which you'd fail. So in the school system, we're told that we have a disease, but we don't have a disease. We're just not like the teachers, but we're not supposed to be like teachers, right? And they want us to fit into their box, but we're not supposed to fit in. So only 3% of the population is bipolar. Only 3% of the population are entrepreneurs maybe there's actually more of a correlation with bipolar disorder and attention deficit disorder that allows us to not fit in, allows us to, to leverage our mania, allows us to be creative and get bored of ideas and delegate them to our teams and move them forward. Maybe those disorders are actually our strengths. You know, yeah. um, you and I were talking offline, we mentioned my, I did a TEDx talk 10 years ago that was one of the few TEDx talks selected to be on the main TED website. And um, it was about raising entrepreneurial kids and how I was raised as an entrepreneur and how you can identify these traits in children. I think nowadays it's very dangerous that so many parents are trying to groom their kids to be entrepreneurs when they're not supposed to be at all. Mm. When I grew up, being an entrepreneur wasn't cool, right? Yeah. It, was, it was actually vilified. You were greedy, you were capitalist, you were profit-centric. Um, so now that entrepreneurship is cool, I think we're pushing too many kids into being entrepreneurs. What we should be doing is teaching kids to be entrepreneurial, to, to, to have some entrepreneurial traits. But if the kids have the entrepreneurial DNA, yeah, we should, we should teach them to be entrepreneurs. And the school system is already starting to embrace entrepreneurship finally as being cool. They're, they're starting to understand it because of the mass media making it more popular. Yeah, I, uh, I listened to that, uh, that talk and I, I actually had to stop it and like, play it to my wife. Cause I think you were talking about, uh, you know, kids and the AD, ADHD and, and my son, uh, is very hyperactive and, you know, they're basically saying, look, we should get him tested and he's you know, probably got it. And, and I, just listening to that and hearing what you had to say, I was like, this is, if he's got it, no big deal. Like it's, this is it's actually maybe a blessing. Um, it's, it's not a disease. I mean, yeah. for, for, again, for me, one of the my one of probably my biggest strengths in building one eight hundred got junk was that I was able to have attention just dis, attention disbursement right it allowed me to see everything yeah so you know I, I don't think it's a disease at all but I wasn't supposed to be a teacher or a lawyer or a doctor and in those cases yeah it probably would have hurt me but that's not what my career path was yeah and, and he's gonna probably have some difficulty in school and that's okay um, but. It, school sucks <laughs> being able to harness it and uh you know and truly be that entrepreneur kid i mean that that uh that's a really cool you know opportunity so um what's a what's a mistake either that you've made or that a company that really sticks out for you and how have you seen uh, or how, how have you learned from it and grown from it? I'll give, you, I'll give a mistake that is probably relevant for anybody listening right now, and it's related to delegating and getting stuff done. Um, at the end of the day, all the stuff that we have on our list, it needs to get done, but not by us. 
Mm. And, and my mistake has probably been over the years, not delegating faster, not outsourcing faster, not getting stuff off my plate to be done by people who make far less money than I make. Right? A lot of my tasks are minimum wage or low wage tasks that I can delegate to somebody so I can work on my creative genius, so I can work in my zone, this unique ability. You know, when I coach, as an example, my coaching fee, my hourly rate for coaching, when you take my yearly rate divided by the hours that I dedicate to a client, so I, I only do 90 minutes per month for, for coach client, they pay me 48000 a year to coach them and they get 90 minutes a month. So my hourly rate is 2600 an hour, which means I shouldn't be doing any task that is less than $2,600 an hour. Yeah. Well, I got, I got a lot of stuff on my plate that is $100 tasks, $50 an hour tasks, $20 an hour tasks. Right? It makes no sense for me to do tasks less than 100 bucks an hour when I bill out at 2600 an hour. But I get stuck in this kind of radical self-reliance of like, I can do it, I can do it, I'll just get it done. But that doesn't scale. So I'm starting to think about my to-do list as my who to-do list. Hmm. Just adding the word who like yeah. in front of the to-do list because it needs to get done, but not by me. So what I'm trying to do now is make a list of all the stuff that needs to get done and delegate it to somebody so that they can get it done faster than me. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, that, and then I, that momentum creates momentum, right? In the school system, yeah. we were told that we had to, had to get straight A's. Why? No one's ever looked at our university or high school grades ever. No, no one's ever asked for my report cards or my transcript ever. No. So maybe the straight A's didn't matter at all. Maybe straight C minuses were good enough. Yeah. And, and momentum creates momentum, right? So I think what we have to do as entrepreneurs and smaller entrepreneurial companies is delegate faster, work on our unique abilities more, um, and try to, to get stuff out the door quicker, knowing that a solid B plus, that momentum is going to create momentum. Hmm. Yeah, and that's different from what you hear sometimes. You hear that, you know, you've got, it's got to be perfect. But I like that. that it, let's just get a solid B+. Plus. It's got to be good. We don't want to send junk out the door. Um, but that momentum um, can create continual momentum um, to continue to grow your business. I like that. Yeah. Um, what are – you've already mentioned some, some good stuff. Well, what's some, maybe some three um, – success tips that you can give our listeners um, and then the audience to help push them to the next level to get to those, you know, 50 employees, hundred employees and grow um, their business. One is again, to, to roll out a vision for your employees. So you can think about that. Another one is to think about growing your people, right? The more you grow your skills of your employees, the more they can grow the company for you. You know, I heard someone say, well, I spend all my time, trying to hold people accountable. And I said, well, then hire accountable people. <laughs> you know, I try to spend all my time motivating people, hire people that are motivated, right? I'm always having to train them, hire people that already have the training. Like work harder at hiring the right people who've already done what you need them to do and then keep growing their skill sets as leaders and align them with where you're going and, and they'll, they'll, they'll do their work, right? But help remove obstacles and you know, I've got a sales guy right now who's really good. And I'm spending all my time focusing on growing his capacity as a salesperson. So growing his skill sets as a salesperson. Sure. Um, 
Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. I mean, it, and a lot of people, I think, are nervous about growing their employees too much because they're afraid, well, then they're going to be, you know, too good and they're going to leave. Uh, do you have fear of that or is that, uh, does that not concern you? No, I mean, it's like, it's like growing our kids, right? Our kids right. are supposed to leave the house. At some point, people are probably going to have to leave as well. Let's let them leave. Yeah. But, but to try to force them to stay means they're just not, you know, they're really not that happy, right? Yeah, and that's, that's the key is if you're allowing them to grow and you're allowing them to get better for one, they're going to make your company better while they're there. Um, mm-hmm. But they're going to be happy too while they're there. And if you're holding them back or not allowing them to grow, not allowing them to get to their potential, you're just going to be happy. And uh, man, people that aren't happy working for you just aren't going to be productive. They're not going to be good people to work for you. Right. But if you really do focus on keeping them happy and you really do focus on growing their skills, and you yeah. really do focus on, you know, growing them as business people, they're probably going to stay because nobody's ever treated them that way. You know, I think we're always worried about the people that are in the scarcity mindset. Well, they're going to leave you because you're, you're in the scarcity mindset. But if mm-hmm. you're so focused on growing their skills, they're probably going to feel so much love that they aren't going to leave. Or if they do leave, they're going to go somewhere else and realize it sucks. And they're probably going to come back to you. Yeah. yeah the, key so to keep, the key to keeping people is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? You've got to cover their base pay and make them feel like they're in a good environment, make them feel loved and have friends and, and they're working on worthwhile work. But, well, I don't want to grow their skills because I'm worried they're going to leave. Well, fuck, they're going to leave because you're not growing their skills. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Scarcity they're not... never works. Scarcity doesn't scale. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Scarcity doesn't scale. I mean, if we're worried about what other people are going to take from us, if we're worried about what other, you know, you've got people are worried about having, in my industry, in real estate, we're worried about sharing our deals with somebody else because, well, then that means we get a little less cut of the deal. Well, that scarcity doesn't allow you to grow. You're, that, that means instead of buying a, you know, 500 unit apartment building, you're buying a, a 10 unit apartment building because you're not willing to, to be able to you know, share that with other people to bring other people in to, to have success as a group. You're only worried about yourself, only thinking about yourself. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the same way with people that are worried about sharing the vision of their company. It's like, I don't really want to tell people what we're building. Great. So you want to spend all your time herding cats then instead of sharing what you're building and getting people excited, you know, it's kind of like the three guys that are sitting on the sidewalk making bricks and they ask the first guy, what are you doing? He said, I'm making bricks. I asked the second guy, what are you doing? He said, we're building a wall and I get to make bricks to build the wall. I asked the third guy, what are you doing? He said, we're building a cathedral to worship God and I get to build the left wall of the cathedral. Yeah. You know, yeah. who's got more meaning in their work? Well, it's the person who's building a cathedral versus somebody who's making bricks. They're all making bricks. But when you have a vision of what you're building, that starts to align you in, you know, what you're doing. Right? It starts to align you in purpose. I think that's really powerful. I mean, I, I, obviously you, you believe that too, but the more I think about that, that just sharing your vision and sharing your understanding with everybody that is a part of it is so important because they get to see that. We all want to see where we're going, right? We all want to, we want to, we all, a lot of business owners. And I think um, myself is included in this. We oftentimes think numbers orientated. We oftentimes think like what checks the boxes, but we don't think about the emotions that are attached to our business and emotions. Oh. Yeah, they play a massive role in the success of our business in the success of 
you know, being able to grow everything and, you know, and look at uh, bringing in investors into my deal. It's all, it's very emotional. They are worried about the numbers, but there are also a lot of emotional strings attached to it. Um, and, and really anything. Uh, so yeah, just that vision, understanding where you're going, uh, very critical. And I really appreciate you sharing that with, I, I think a, people can take a lot right out of that, uh, with sharing your vision. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's the key, right? Is once you actually have that part figured out, the vision part, then it's around growing their skills, removing their obstacles, um, and then, and then delegating more to them and replicating more. So you can continue to care, be the caretaker of, you know, growing the culture and growing the team and, and sharing the vision. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Um, so you, where, where's your vision, your company, you said you've got a clear vision of your company. Where do you see yourself going in the next, you know, year, two years, three years, um, down the road? Yeah. My real focus right now is, is scaling the COO Alliance. So I've created the only network of its kind in the world for the second in command. So really working to scale that, um, organization up. Um, and then, yeah, that's really the focus. I mean, the rest of what I do is supports that, right? My coaching is, um, I'd say a third of my coaching clients are in the CO Alliance. Um, I would say that of the, um, all of my books and content are devoured by people. My second in command podcast has been really great for, for listeners because so many people interview the CO or the CEO. Yeah. Um, I only interview the CEO. We wanted the rest of the story. And, um, so really kind of focusing on getting more, more listeners for the second grand podcast about scale to seal lines. But all my focus is around scaling the seal lines right now. Everything else I do is in support of that. So speaking, coaching, my books, everything else grows the seal alliance. And I like that focus. I like that you're, you, you said it earlier on too. You're everything you're doing is to focus on that one point. You're not going to speak to a government, uh, you know, group, because that just doesn't speak to who you, who your audience is, your focus, your laser focused on what you're doing. And that's so important instead of jumping around. Sure. Could you do some of that other stuff? Could you make a few bucks doing that? Could you, you know, grow a little bit doing that, but no, but it would actually take away from your true purpose and vision of your company. Why COO and not why second in command? Why second in command? Because yeah. no one's actually no one's actually focused on growing them, and they always try to go to, you know, CEO events, entrepreneur events where they don't fit in. Entrepreneurs are different from the operational mindset. Right? You've got the visionary and the integrators, and no one's actually really focused on growing the integrators. Sure. And there's, they, I was a COO three times where I was always in that second in command role, and it's just a different, it's a different need. So what we're trying to do is go after all of the second commands of, you know, YPO members, EO members, Vista members, Genius Network members, all the members of these great organizations. It's actually targeting those people and giving them a place for them to grow. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I interesting. Cause yeah, when you talk about growing that company and you think of the CEO, but you're right, the CEO, the second in command is typically the, the implementer, right? The, the visionary is the CEO. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Interesting. Um, I got a couple more questions before we wrap up and I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah. Um, what's a, what's a, way that you like to to give back um 
that's interesting. One of them is doing podcast interviews for sure. I mean, the more that I'm sharing my resources with people, you know, again, if you consider my effective hourly rate is 2,600 an hour for every hour podcast I'm doing, I take away from my ability to do coaching. So that's one way is sharing my systems and ideas with groups. Um, Another one is, is mentoring entrepreneurs who don't quite qualify yet and setting up random calls with them, knowing that if I can help them scale their company, that spins off jobs and spins off better relationships. Like I did a call yesterday with a guy, Jerry Kelly, who is really in the very early startup stage of his company. Um, and I had a, a contest on, on my Facebook page where whoever submitted the funniest photos of them reading my books would, uh, would win a coaching call. <laughs> This guy was, you know, hiking with my books and he was ziplining with my book and <laughs> wham out by Alcatraz with one of my books. I'm like, dude, totally qualify. Um, so, you know, doing those kinds of things is helpful too. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I like it. I definitely appreciate it. You know, those, the Ted talks and all that kind of stuff is just great stuff. And I, I, I heard you on your Ted talk. The fir- that was the first time I think I heard you. And then I heard you on another podcast as well. And, um, you know, really, really appreciate you getting out there and getting your word out there and what you're trying to teach people. Cause you've got a lot of valuable stuff that you're, you're talking about. I think I also heard you on, uh, maybe the other podcast was Hal Elrod's podcast, which you guys, uh, was it co-authored a book or you wrote? Yeah, we co-authored the miracle, we co-authored the miracle morning for entrepreneurs together. Yeah. Um, Hal has this system called the savers, the morning savers, which are you know, uh, silence, affirmations, visualizations, exercise, reading, and scribing. And that's how he starts his day early. And then I have a lot of the success habits for the rest of the day. So we talked and interviewed a number of very successful entrepreneurs and I pulled their morning success systems in. And then I included the systems that I use to start a successful day. And then also the systems to continue as an entrepreneur with vision and hiring a second command and systems around focus. It's actually a great book. The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs is a great book for anyone listening, for sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, a lot of good books that you've written, and we'll put those in the show notes too so our listeners can take a look at those. Um, so, yeah, you've got, you've got a lot of good stuff out there, and I appreciate that. Um, what, what's a, beyond your book or books? What's a favorite book? What's a go-to book for you that you can uh, let our listeners know about? Um, one that I've read recently that was quite strong was, uh, the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz, really, really, um, solid. And then the second one that I've really enjoyed in this last year was, uh, insanely simple. And it was about just the simplicity and the force to keep everything simple at Apple. Um, and I thought that there were some really, really strong systems in there about simplicity and how a big, big, big company can just keep everything completely simple. And that's why they've been so successful. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I, this is a, this is actually a sidetrack um, just cause I was, I was thinking about this and obviously this is on like everybody's mind uh, you know, COVID everything that's going on. Um, and then there's, whether you're listening to this now or years from now, it, it doesn't matter. Something big is going to be happening at that time. That's distraction. Uh, what are you talking to your clients about during this time that, you know, to try to, cause there's just a lot of uncertainty. Right. And uh so any, any like bits of advice that you're giving that you can give to our yeah. listeners? Well, right, right now, more than ever, people are looking to be led. Like they're looking for leadership somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. They, they need someone who is leading them forward. And so that's one key one right now is leadership. 
Um, a second one is that, you know, misery loves company, right? That, that there's all kinds of places that you can go to talk to people that are negative and grumpy and frustrated and worried yeah. or are living in that, uh, that scarcity mindset. But I'm trying to get my, my clients, my CEOs that I coach and the COOs that I work with to be focused on abundance and opportunity and driving things forward. Like right now, marketing is cheaper than it's been in the last 10 years. Like you should be spending money on marketing and, and sales. I'm hiring another salesperson right now. I've just gone, I've had four record months in a row with my revenue and my coaching business. Um, so I think there's opportunities to really look for, for growth and to lead. Great opportunity to do acquisitions right now. Anybody who is 60 plus as an owner, 60 years old, they're, old, they're tired. They don't have it yeah. in them to go through another recession. They'll take a reasonably good deal and they'll probably finance 30% of you buying their company over the next three years as well. So great opportunity to do acquisitions right now. In fact, in my book, Double Double, if you read chapter 11 in Double Double, it's all about how to do well in an economy that's slow, right? It's how to grow when it's slow. And it's all of the real strong success habits that I used to scale a company back in 2008, 2009 during the global financial crisis. It's all the systems we used in 2001 to scale when the dot-com era blew up. Um, so it's some really, really easy to implement systems on growing companies when we go into a declining economy. Oh, that's awesome. It's good stuff because I think uh, right now we're not feeling the effects uh, quite yet of kind of what's happened. Uh, obviously, there's governments putting a lot of money out there to people. And so businesses are starting, obviously, they're, they're, many businesses are feeling the effects, a lot of uh, consumers aren't feeling effects um and, and that's to come I, I would say so yeah being able to grow and being able to maintain during this time uh and, and what you said earlier about marketing i mean so many people throw the marketing out the door and it's, it's an easy budget to cut but it's a terrible budget to cut um at least in my opinion I'm, it's I'm terrible yours. You should, what we should be doing is focusing on revenue generating opportunities because revenue solves problems Right. There's not a, there's not a single problem that exists that a check can't solve. So everything we do should be driving a revenue and driving gross margin. But I think what happens in a scarcity mindset is often people, not only are they just focusing on cutting costs, but they're not focusing on growing at all. They're spending too much time reading all the negative press and getting sucked into the social media world instead of actually deciding where they're going and going there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this show is called uh, Pillars of Wealth Creation, and, and we're trying to focus on building, building wealth and whatever that means to you. It means something different to everybody. Uh, my final question for you is, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Wow, three pillars of wealth creation. Um, one would be investing in myself, that if I can grow my skills, if I can join mastermind groups, if I can get coaching, if I can invest in growing me and growing my team. That's a huge one. Um, secondly is realizing that it's not, I don't have to worry about how I do something, it's who can do it, right? It's, it's always solved by a who versus a how. Yeah. So it's looking to, to, to my network and finding out who can do things. Um, and then I guess a third would be just, you know, momentum creates momentum, that it's not about perfection. If I can just get stuff out the door, that's going to scale, right? So it's all about the low-hanging fruit and doing things that are, easy to implement systems that I can just kind of get into orbit that'll continually grow. Yep. Yep. Uh, I've those seen might, that. Those might be three off the top. 
I love it. I love it. All, all really good things. Obviously, investing yourself uh, just uh, super important. Um, and then real, I, I really like how you talk about you know realizing not not what you can do, but who can do it. Uh, we always think, as you said earlier, like you, you, even you're guilty of it, and I'm guilty of it. But we're all guilty of it. Like we're doing this twenty dollar an hour stuff that because we can do it, right? It's just we know how to do it. It's easy to do. We're just going to do it. Most entrepreneurs are people that we can we we can do stuff. We just feel like ah, well, we could just get it done ourselves. But is that really the best use of your time? So instead of realizing that you can do it, realize who can do it. And the last thing is that building momentum. And I've seen that play over and over. Once you get that momentum, you've got to keep it going. Um, yeah. Well, and if you, if you do stuff that, that actually, um, you know, like an example of something that creates momentum for me is every media interview that I do gets shared on social media by the interviewer and by me. And it gets added to the press page of my website, which drives SEO. That's like a little satellite in orbit that keeps working yep. for me. Right. That will just keep working for me. You know, every interview I do on the second command podcast where I interview somebody just keeps working for me. Keeps going. You know, ad roll. When I put retargeting in place, that just sits there. I don't have to do anything. It just keeps working for me. So for me, it's all about these little things that I can do that will continually drive momentum. You know, my, my website, my, my Cameronherald.com website, I spent some money this year to have my new website redone, rebuilt, rewritten, and it's really strong. I'm getting fantastic comments from people just about the, the content on the CameronHerald.com, that is momentum. Each of my books going out the door is momentum. Yeah. So I try to get things up and out the door that will always generate results in my sleep. I think that's where wealth comes from and also where the free time comes from, right? Which is wealth as well. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, Cameron, look, I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the massive value you're adding to the entrepreneurial space, to business owners, uh, you know, giving back and, and definitely commend you for that. I think you're, you're doing an excellent job and excited to, you know, have you on the show and be able to share with my audience and give so much to them as well. So tons of value you're able to add. I definitely appreciate it. Appreciate you being on. Hey man, you're welcome. Thanks Todd. Thanks for having me. Send me the link when this goes live. I will have a fantastic rest of the day. Appreciate you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review. just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. 
I'll catch you on the next episode.